Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology. From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path to become a world-class dermatologist. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am your host, Nate Marklin, and on today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Johnny Hatch, who actually created the DIGA podcast. And on today's episode, he shares his tips and tricks on what he believed helped him match into a dermatology residency program. And with that being said, we'll see you on the skin side. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by the Johnny Hatch. He is the one that created this podcast. Uh, This is going to be a somewhat of a farewell for him, but also a tips from a new resident because he just matched. I'm going to let him, he's, he's introduced himself before, but I'm going to let him introduce himself again and say where he's at and where he matched. Take it away, Johnny. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks, Nate. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I'm from Idaho originally, uh, currently at the Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine, went to undergrad at Brigham Young University in Utah. Um, and then I matched at, uh, in a transitional year here in Fort Worth, where my under, uh, where my medical school is at the, uh, Bear Scott and White All Saints, which I'm super pumped about. And then match dermatology at the uh, um, St. Joe's Mercy Livingston Hospital in Ann, Ar- in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. So super stoked about that. You just, uh, it's been really nice to have a break from all the grind, but I- I'm, I'm excited to get into it and start uh, start residency and start actually learning, you know, what uh, what we've all been waiting for for so long. So so super stoked to 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 be at this point. Yeah. When I found out that you got into St. Joe's or Trinity, what is, whatever they call it now, Trinity Health. Um, I was pretty excited for you because again, we've had McKenna, Dr. Abercrombie on here, and then we had Dr. Henderson. Um, by the time yeah. this releases this episode, that episode will be out and they all talk highly of the program. Obviously they're there, but they're very, very passionate about that program and, uh, they have various fellowships. So I think you're going to do very well there. Yeah, no, thanks. I'm super excited. And, and the area is beautiful too. If you like lakes and green, like it, it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And they have a, it's not far from university of Michigan, even though I, I can't, based on my in-laws, I can't like them, but they have a big program so you can enjoy sports if you wanted to and go to the games and enjoy that type of thing and have that life as well. Yeah, totally. So I know we've kind of talked about this before. You've matched into dermatology, but was there anything else that was going to take you away from dermatology before, you know, decided that was it? Yeah. So going into medical school, you know, when I talk to new students, one of the things I tell them if they're like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about doing derm. I think the first step is to decide if you want to do derm, you just have to decide. Right. And like, that was kind of where I was and, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, one thing about medicine is there's so many options and honestly, they're all good. You know, they're like, I think I personally would be super happy being like a rural family medicine doc and doing that cowboy medicine. Um, and, and that's something that really interested in me. Um, my wife and, and her goals and like our family's goals weren't really suited to what that would be, look like after training, you know, moving to a small town, rural community. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really wasn't for us. But there was a lot of things I considered. You know, I considered family medicine. I considered um, ophthalmology. I did an ophthalmology rotation. Rheumatology really interested in me, you know, dealing with people who have these chronic diseases, but like really increasing their quality of life. Um, you know, people going from wheelchairs to walking and living a normal life again because of, you know, um, therapy for their rheumatological conditions. Um, 
So there was a lot of things I considered and I would just say, you know, <clears throat> you need to shadow as m many doctors as you can and make that decision. The sooner you decide on Durham, the better and the easier for you. One of the things I actually did is I started a club called the Exploring Specialties Club. And uh, um, we just interviewed a ton of different physicians from different specialties. And, and we'd like partner with other, uh, other interest groups on campus. And uh, that was a cool experience for me, you know, to also put on my ARIS application to be like, I, I think for me in a way, like applying Durham that showed that I was well-rounded in a different way to show that, you know, I had the stuff to show I was committed to Durham. You know, I had the podcast, I had rotated a lot in Durham, I had done research, but this was something that showed that I'd be happy in other places. And I think people appreciate that as a well-rounded applicant. Um, it, that was just my strategy going into the application. But yeah, so there was a lot of things I considered, family medicine, ophthalmology, rheumatology, internal medicine. Like, I would love to be a hospitalist. Um, I know, Nate, you 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 would hate the hospital, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it'd be sweet. Do seven on, seven off. And then, uh, um, yeah, I, th I think it'd be a cool gig. Hey, you could do some complex med derm and do that in the hospital and be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe we'll see. To piggyback off that, your first year is when you're talking to people and, and saying like, if you're interested in derm, you know, like you need, you don't need to have the idea right away. But like you said, finding out early is very, very beneficial because then you can take those steps faster and and get your foot in the door sooner and make those connections and get exactly. those research publications. Um, I've had people ask me, you know, the same thing that I'm I'm kind of starting to mentor. First years are coming in is if you have an inclination, and Dr. Gomez-Mead said this when we had him on the podcast, if you have any inclination of, inclination of doing dermatology, go for it. Because it's amazing. It's yeah. a great career. It's a great profession. So are other specialties. But the sooner you find that, find, uh, find that avenue to getting into dermatology, the better successful you're going to be. And then secondly, yeah. I wanted to talk about, you talked about that club. Can you say it again where you explored specialties? Yeah, it was just called the Exploring Specialties okay. Club. Yeah, I think you know, Nothing like super special about it, but... I think that's yeah, awesome. That's I'd like to throw out another podcast. Um, I think it's called the um, Undifferentiated Med Student, yeah. where he interviews yeah. various specialties and um, doctors from different specialties. So you can kind of get an idea. And that's after I listened to Dr. Abercrombie talk about dermatology, I went to there and I found the the most surgeon he talked to. It was Dr. Bordeaux. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what the heck is most surgery? You know, and that's where it just kind of like dove, dove down a hole that way. So if you're interested in dermatology, start researching it and and uh, and find your avenue that way. Yeah, that's funny. That that podcast impacted me a ton too because um, we need to have Dr. Bordeaux on the podcast now because, um, I, you know, I, it sounds like both of us have... I've reached yeah. out to him twice. <laughs> I've tried to find oh, him. Come on, Dr. Bordeaux. Yeah, I'm gonna, But no, I'm he's gonna... a cool... Podcast is cool because he like, he like talks not only about most surgery and like mm -hmm. skin cancer and, and that sort of thing, but then he talks about like personal development and like some of the books that he loves to read and and kind of the interactions he has with his fellows and residents to to grow not only in medicine but in their personal life so yep. uh, that was a cool podcast it's funny that yeah. that influenced us both i'll probably throw that in the show notes so people can have it too um yeah yeah so people can cool. listen to that but I, I i would i would love to have him on i'm gonna try to reach out again now that we talked about it but uh yeah next question you know what were the steps you said you you're kind of well-rounded but what steps did you take in uh years one and two to make yourself successful going into third year and then going into fourth year to match into dermatology. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Derm was on the radar, but not like, you know, I don't really know where it was in my lineup, but I knew I wanted to have the option to do something competitive if I wanted to. Right. And I think that's what most people do going into medical school. So 
I really just grinded in my classes, um, tried to get the best grades I could. And this was when step one and level one were scored. And so my strategy personally was to more so focus on step one and level one prep and less on um, like class grades. And I know everybody's different in that regard, um, but that was kind of my strategy and uh, um, that served me really well. And so I did a ton of Anki. I know people hate Anki, but I think for me that really uh, solidified my my base knowledge and enabled me to when I took step and level one and two to be able to just that quick recall of facts and information to to do well on those exams. So that was, you know, number one, I think your preclinical years, you need to focus on being good academically and that'll set you up for your rotations, you know, third and fourth year. And then, well, like I said earlier, you really need to make sure that you, um, that you know that you want to do Durham and try and figure that out first and second year. And then I say there's probably three more things you need to do during your preclinical years. Number one, get involved in volunteering and research. Um, and that can be, you know, volunteering in a club, teaching skin cancer safety or, you know, sun safety to elementary schools, going to 5Ks and handing out free sunscreen, um, you know, those sort of things. Um, being involved in your local dermatology interest group, that's a good leadership opportunity that's counted as volunteerism on your ARIS application. And then building a network, that's probably number two you know, the second thing that you need to do is start building a network, you know, go to your local Durham Society meetings, go to your state conferences. Um, those ones are low cost, easy to do. Um, you know, you can go to AAD, but AAD is much bigger. I feel like it's a lot harder to network there because everybody just wants to talk to their old friends. It's kind of like this collegial gathering of like old colleagues, which is cool. And you can network there, but I think it's a little bit harder for a net med student. So those smaller local gatherings are good or like the AOCD if you're an osteopathic student is great. So build a network. And then last, you know, during your probably like end of first year, start of second year, I, that's when I think is a great time to get started in research. You can get started sooner too, but for me, it was nice to have that first year to kind of get some other stuff under my belt. And, uh, and then you get involved in that research and you can really start some case reports, get some experience under you, get involved in a longer term project. And uh, with research, you know, you want these short projects that you can crank out quickly and get some publications under your belt. But then you want these long term projects that show that you can commit to something and that they actually like impact the field. You know, some of these projects, these posters that you present at a local conference, they're great because it's another line on your application, but they really don't add that much to the field. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to think of a, of, of a good example, but, um, um, you know, if I do a, if I do a small poster presentation on a certain type of flap that can be performed that people have already published on three or four times, but I present it at my local conference, that's kind of cool, but it didn't really add anything new. So right. you want to have those long-term things too, if you can. Right. I agree. Um, I'm going to back, go back research network. Yeah. And, um, yeah volunteering so we can kind of i can piggyback off those so volunteering uh i mean sorry research like you said at the end of first year it's probably very very beneficial i think uh dr colby presley who we had on here he told me yeah. at rvu we had neuro midway through second semester of first year and he said don't start any research talk to that you know get through that get through neuro crush neuro and then start research and that's exactly what i did and i've been that's smart doing research since 
halfway through first year or first year, end of first year all the way till now. Um, so I agree. And again, no matter what you're going to do, if you're going to do something that's competitive, you're going to need research. And if you can get started early and get those papers published, posters, um, presentations just under your belt, no matter what field it is early, that's better because then your numbers are a little higher. And then you can narrow down as you go through years two, year three. Um, and like you said, also, I want to talk about the impact. We had Dr. Cade Pulsifer on here. He talked about on his research episode that sure, you know, having those posters, having all that stuff is very great. But the whole point that we want is to see them publish in an impactful journey, uh, journal. And, you know, if that's the JAD, if it's JAMA, if it's Jammerderm, if you just have it on there, you know, someone can see your name and be like, oh, you know, like this was an impactful. He's on my rotation. Like I read this for a paper, like Dr. Pulsifer said, someone read his paper. Then he went to the rotation and it was impactful. He's like, that's the type of stuff you want. And that's why you want to publish. So I like those, that point you made about research. Networking, we've talked about this throughout the whole podcast. That's the, the, the life of the podcast. That's why we created this or you created this. And we'll get to that after too. But networking is very, very important. My biggest thing I'd like to say is network with the alumni that have matched at your school in the dermatology or whatever field you're trying to go into. That's very, very key. And if you don't have anyone that's matched, you're going to have to cold call or cold email and don't be afraid. You know, people are going to tell you no in life, right? But that's okay. You, you taking that initiative is going to show that doctor like, wow, this person really wants to learn. This person's really interested and they'll take, might take you under their wing. So I'd like that you said that too. And then, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I, just to that networking point, like the cold calling, if you don't have alumni, it's uh, you're going to have some hits and you're going to have some misses. And like, right. you know, I've had people email me that I really hit it off with. And I've had people email me that, that I just don't. And, and it's probably nothing against them. It's just our two personalities combined didn't work. And so they emailed somebody else and, 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 uh, you know, got mentorship from somebody else. And yeah. so don't be discouraged if, you know, the first person, everybody's like, uh, I feel like sometimes there's this fear that if you email somebody and it doesn't go smooth, that means you screwed up and you're right. going to get blacklisted from all dermatology programs, yeah. but that's not the case. You know, it's like, it's a small world, but at the same time, we're forgettable as med mm -hmm. students. Like yeah. we're not that great, you know? So if it doesn't work out, people are just going to forget you, you know, and yeah. which is, which is fine. The biggest thing I like to say is like, so. if, if it's not the alumni, don't reach out to like attendings right away, you know, build that build. It's kind of like build a tier, like reach out to the yeah. program coordinator and say, Hey, are there any second year residents that are willing to help? Because they're fresh out of, out of med school still, you know, maybe they did their engineer, but they're still fresh and they're more willing to help. Then you start building connections and they connect you with more senior people and you can build that network tree that way. Um, again, yeah. I haven't matched, but I feel like I'm very good at networking. I like making connections and interviewing and talking to people. So I think that's been beneficial in my sense. Um, to go yeah. to volunteering, again, I think starting early, like you said, because then you can show that longitudinal um, track of work. Yeah. You, know, you started as a member, maybe just like a, a first year representative in your club, and then you became the vice president. And then you took over and was like a third year and fourth year representative who started this big thing for the whole club so that's very important start early like you said and shows it shows that longitudinal growth yeah 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 and real real quick one last thing on that networking thing mm -hmm. you do need to make network connections with attendings eventually but yeah, yes maybe yes, start yes. With so i agree yeah. with that and i'm glad that you said that because those are the people that I'm sure the residents may have some impact but the attendings are going to be the ones that are going to be like yeah we want this person to come here but again yeah. i don't if you're nervous, if, in the sense I was trying to say is if you're nervous to reach out to people and you're afraid you're going to, you're going to be blacklisted, start with the residents. That was just my, my thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And the residents often open doors 
to connect with attendings. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's really what you were saying is like build that tree, start with the residents, get to the senior residents and then the attendings. And looking back at my experience on rotations, I think I performed really well with the residents. I think the residents for the most part liked me, but I think sometimes I needed to invest more in the attendings. You know, right. once once you get to the audition or the away rotation, that's the time to really yeah. spend the time with the attendings. You need to do both, right? Yeah. Like the attendings are the ones who make the call. And so you have to be on good terms with them. Any questions they have about, you know, possible red flags on your application. Mm-hmm. I think because I, I like networking. So I, I think we can talk about this for a little bit. Um a good a good method that I feel you can do is make those connections with those residents before you go to the auditions, like you said, you know, reach out to the program coordinator, see if they have projects you can help out with. Or if you have a project and you know a resident, do the project, get some friends to help you on the project and ask the resident if they can review it, edit it, give you some um, um, remarks and then throw their name on it because they are helping, you know, and then you make these connections. And then you go there, they know you when you do the audition, they're like, oh, yeah, Nate or Johnny, I worked with them on a few projects. And then they talk to the attendings and then you work with those attendings and then you build that relationship that way. Again, yeah. I haven't done that yet. Um, I'm doing that currently and I've, I've built these relationships with these residents that I know and I've met and I've graduated from my school and I feel like they're strong and now I'm going and they, they talk about me to the attendings. And again, I'm just saying this is what I've done. I feel like it's going to be beneficial. I haven't matched it, but I just think if you're nervous of just reaching out to that high level attending, start with the residents, build that connection like you said, and then go there and make an even stronger connection with the attendings. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, you need a PI on the project anyway. So you connect with the resident, they review the paper. And then if you you can, you know, maybe you have a PI already, but sometimes the resident will be like, oh, you know, I have this attending, you know, they'd be happy to be the PI or, you know, the senior author and, uh, you know, they'll review it. And, and then, and then you have that connection with that, um, you know, that attending, maybe it's not the super strong connection, but you go there and you're like, oh, we actually wrote a paper together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's a good connection too to make. And I, I like to say this because it sounds like we're playing a game, but Dr. Sammons even said in her episode, you got to play the game a little bit. You got to know what to do to match and you got to be smart, you know, and you don't have to kill yourself. So this is kind of what we're saying. And again, Johnny's matched. He's done this. He's, he's had the experience. So that's why we have him on here for his final episode. Yeah, and and playing the game makes it sound. Terrible, it sounds right, right, exactly, and that's why I don't like to say it that way. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, that's part of the reason why we wanted to start this podcast is because is the game is being played, and some people don't know the rules, right? And um, and and so the podcast, you know, the idea was let's open the rule book for everybody, and because. You know, I keep hearing people saying, oh, nepotism, 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 getting getting people into dermatology. And sure, that happens, right? But a large part of it is there's people that have the rule book and people who don't. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully this opens the rule book. So so I'm going to tell people how to play the game so that we can all play the game together. And it's not like half of us are playing the game, knowing the rules, and half of us are just flying by the seat you know? I, right. I don't know. I, I agree that there's a game. But that's why we're talking about it here. And and that's why we kind of want to open these strategies to everybody is to level the playing field and and make it competitive for, for everybody. And in some ways, maybe that makes it more competitive, dermatology. But I think, you know, it'll it'll help people get in who who really deserve to be there and uh, you know, as long as they knew what what they needed to do. I agree. And I I'm thankful for you starting this podcast. 
and then me being able to join and help out. But again, it's distance mentoring what we're doing and hopefully it helps people become successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to jump back onto your one year, years one, years two, years, year three. When did you do your um elective? And you know, what did you learn? Did you get a letter? And did that help you get in Durham? Do you believe? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of an interesting topic. Um, so I, we have two electives at my school and my first one was in, um, was like in August and I tried to get a dermatology elective then because I wanted to know for sure. Cause I hadn't done like a month long elective. And so I liked the idea of doing it early. Um, but I wasn't able to, my school's elective was shut down or not shut down, but had been taken already was full. And then some other local electives just through like private practice dermatologists weren't available either. So mine was in January of my third year. And for me, this worked out really great. Um, I think it was early enough on that, you know, I could make that firm decision. Okay. I want to do dermatology now. I was pretty sure I wanted to do derm at this point, but I still was waiting for my elective to, to really decide. Um, so I did the elective. It was awesome. It was with the Mohs surgeon. And I'll be honest, I had no clue what I was getting into. You know, th this guy, just incredible Mohs surgeon. Uh, you know, he would do between 15 to 20 cases a day. He had a fellow and um, I learned a ton. You know, I, I learned so much about general dermatology and then uh, skin cancer and uh, Mohs surgery and then how to be useful in the clinic, you know, how to assist in surgery. Um, you know, just helping patients and, and, and that sort of thing. So, it was, and, and it just really made me fall in love with dermatology. You know, I, I loved that part of it. And this guy was also, he's a pretty prolific researcher and I didn't know that going in either, but it allowed me to get on some projects with him and, and help with, with, you know, him in that way. And also just help him with some other random things. You know, I, I've done some video editing for him for some presentations that he's done. Um, at, at conferences and such just to like, you know, if he had a video he wanted to splice together of him performing a certain procedure, I, I would do that for him. And, and I think doing those small things helped me to build a rapport with him. And, uh, and, and so I did, I asked him for, he wrote one of my letters and I think that was really great. Um, and I think that's important. I think it's important to have a third year, um, where hopefully you can get a letter because, you know, you can submit up to four letters of recommendation and people say, you know, you want at least two of those being from dermatologists. Um, and that can be hard if, mm -hmm. you know, you know, me and you were DO students and a lot of the away rotations are one and two weeks long. And some mm -hmm. of them will just say, hey, we're not giving letters of rec because the attendings don't have time to give them to everybody that comes through. And we only spend a day with you anyway. So I get that. But that means you have to get one on your away rotation and then one, uh, sorry, one on your like a uh, third year elective and then one somewhere else just to get two. And that can be hard to do. So um, I think that's super important that you get a letter during your third year elective. But yeah, it, it can be hard. You know, like what if you don't hit it off with the attending? Right. You, you just pick the wrong, wrong place to rotate. And um, if that's the case, you know, maybe you do. You need to do another four week elective mm -hmm. during your fourth year to to get that, and you can do that on an away rotation, but it has to be four weeks in order to build up that rapport over time. I agree. Um, I kind of I was a little nervous. You know, I chose I, I decided on dermatology fairly fairly early, and then 
my elective, my school made me do my elective late, my last, my last rotation yeah. of third year. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty set, you know, but what if I go in and I'm like, dang, this sucks, you know? I hate and this. Then, yeah. Yeah. No, I was a little, I was a little nervous, you know, cause I was driving all the way to Minnesota for it and spent a few weeks there and all that other stuff. And I just, I'm glad that it didn't happen with me sucking. I'm glad that I really enjoyed it and it solidified. And then I spent another two weeks with like another practice. And again, like most surgery and all that stuff, it's, it's a little nerve wracking and doing it early. You know, they say you don't want to do it too early because, you know, you don't want to like mess up and not look good to get a letter of rec. Right. But doing it fairly early enough, just in case you do change your mind is very beneficial. Um, so I like that you had that and it was still fairly early in your third year. January is still early. We've had Dr. Consilla on here. He decided it in February and still matched. Um, so it worked that way. Um, and again, I think getting the letters is very, very important. Like you said, again, it's hard, you know, especially if you're a DO and even if you're an MD and you don't have a home, a home program, you got to build those connections. And that means you might have to put the legwork and go out into the community and spend some time with them if you can and, and get that time and get those letters. So I think, again, we know dermatology is hard. We know going into any competitive specialty is hard. You just have to put the work in to get the work out or get the product out. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and to the point of like one thought on doing an elective late, um, you can totally go, I think what you did, you know, we've talked about your elective, you know, offline and you had like the perfect elective for what you needed. Right. Um, if I, I think one strategy that can work for some people is to do an away rotation at a, another institution, mm-hmm. right? Because oftentimes if you have a late elective third year, let's say March, April, May, that's a great time to go to a different institution because they don't have a ton of away rotators that are fourth years, right? You know, all the fourth years are done, they've matched, and right. then they have time to see you. And it's like, it's early, you know, it's early in the next application cycle, but it's not like too early that they won't remember you. Right. And you build that connection. And some people are like, oh, well, I want, I want my own, I want to do my own school's elective first so that I can look stupid at my own school before I go to another school. And that, I think that's fine. School. But if you don't just, just go do it because they understand that you don't know everything. And I think it's a great opportunity. They care more about how you learn than what you know. And so if that's an opportunity for you to go build a network, build relationships, and then show them that you can work hard and learn a lot while you're there, I think that's a great opportunity. And then and then you've gone to one extra institution, and then you can go to two to three more, you know, during your fourth year to do away rotations. You took the words right out of my mouth. I don't think you're going to go anywhere and look stupid. Maybe if you're like, the last, <laughs> the last rotation of your fourth year. And you've already done yeah. like three or four derm rotations. Maybe then a little bit. But you're going into this. If you're showing that you're willing to learn, you will never look stupid. Again, you only accept yeah. that you're going to look stupid if you accept that. Like, oh man, I'm stupid. I'm like, you yeah. know, whatever you put that in your head. You're a student. We're going to learn. You know, if you're willing, you show up early, 15 minutes early. If you're on time, you're late. You show up 15 minutes early. Be there before the doctor shows up. Start asking the MAs if they can, if you can help with anything. You're not going to look stupid. Yeah, yeah. You're going to show them that you can, you're going to work hard no matter, even if you're, we haven't been talking about scores, but if your scores aren't great or whatever, you don't feel like they're great. But if you show that person that they're, you can work hard, they're going to go to bat for you. And I, I again, I, I haven't matched, but I've done a lot of things in my life. I feel like I've lived three different lifetimes from the military to breaking my neck yeah. and being paralyzed and then going through med school. I've had a lot of experience where I've busted my butt to be successful and it's always worked out for me. So just, 
be willing to work and be willing to show up early and work hard and you will never look stupid. So I just, I'm glad that you brought that up and you took the words out of my mouth and I just had to add my own little two cents. Sorry. Yeah, no. And it's so funny. I, I talked to, you know, I'm always like trying to convince first and second years to do dermatology. And sometimes yeah. they'll be like, ah, oh, it just sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. And I'm like, just because it's a lot of work doesn't mean it's bad. You yeah. know, like hard doesn't equal bad. And, and yeah, it's a lot of work, but, but the payoff is, is awesome. You know, like you got to be in part of one of the best specialties in the world to see people every day come in cured or managed chronic skin disease. They can walk with confidence again in public. And then on top of that, you can spend time with your family. You know, you, mm -hmm. you're not in the OR until eight o'clock at night or an emergency room at three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and maybe that's the, that's what you love and, and that's a good choice too. But I'm just saying, yes, it's going to be hard now, but hard isn't bad and you can do hard things to accomplish what you want to do. And, and it's going to be an awesome career in the future. You know, you're going to help a lot of people and uh, you're going to have time for your family and your friends, and you're going to employ people in your community and you know, your staff are going to be grateful that they're, they're employed by you and uh, you're going to lead a great team. I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be awesome. So, so it's, it's worth the hard. I love that. And again, all things that are great come from hard work. And I'd like to say this, that the doctor yeah. I rotated with for my, my elective, the first two weeks I spent with him, he's like getting into dermatology is hard. And then dermatology residency is even harder. And you're going to be grinding for basically eight years, right? Five, if you do another, um, nine if you do a fellowship four years of med school four years of derm a fellowship one year fellowship right and then you get out and you get this fresher breath there a breath of fresh air and it just feels amazing because you've busted your butt for the last 10 years and now you have this time to take your friday off or your monday off or do whatever you want and you get to care for patients just like you said and he's like you just get this breath of fresh air and it just feels amazing like because you you climbed that hill and you got to a certain point and sure you're going to get back pick that back up and climb back up that hill but there's just you can just be proud of what you've done and it just feels great so don't be deterred if it's hard at all. Don't be deterred if it's hard. Because yeah. again, ortho's hard. Ophthalmology is hard. Plastics is hard. Um, whatever else is hard. You know, there's so many hard things to get into. You know, even family medicine, it's still hard. You have to do things to get into them, right? You don't want to just say, ah, I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm not going to do this thing that's difficult because I want to just kind of coast. And you're not going to be a great doctor. And that's just my personal opinion. And you yeah. people may not like hearing that, but if you're, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I'm going to go on, you know, Johnny knows this. I ran about that, but how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're going to coast through med school and get into something you think you're going to coast, then how are you going to care for your patients? You should be doing everything hundred yeah. percent of the way, no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Amen. Amen. Sweet. All right. So now we're into fourth year. We know you did about 11 to 12 rotations. Did you rotate at your program? And, uh, how do you, how'd you feel about it? And do you think that helped you match? Yeah. So, um, as we said, I'm a DO student. And so we do a lot of rotations. Um, they're one or two weeks at a time just for perspective. So I did about 15 weeks of rotations. So, you know, put that in comparison, that's about three or four rotations for like your typical MD student, um, doing like a four week away rotation. So, so, um, it sounds like a lot, but it's, um, you know, maybe a little bit above the average that people do, um, you know, two to three, um, away rotations. But yes, I rotated at my program. Um, I did a virtual rotation and this was a good opportunity for me. I don't love the virtual format um, in general because, you know, this is three years of your life minimum. 
of, you know, where you're deciding to go. So like, that's just my personal preference. I don't love the virtual format, but it was a great opportunity for me to see my program and to see what they're like, to see the camaraderie that the residents had, um, to see the excellent faculty that they had, you know, there's just incredible, um, the fountains of knowledge at my pro in all aspects of dermatology, which I'm so excited for, you know, excellent Mo surgeon, um, a woman who runs a skin of color clinic in, in Detroit, um, a, a man who, uh, does complex medical dermatology and that's all he does, you know, 24 seven, he's got a fellowship in like immunodermatology as well. And then, and then just great general dermatologists, great cosmetic dermatologists. And, uh, that was really cool for me to see. I, I knew from that experience that I would be, go to a great program. Um, so that rotation, they only offered virtual. If you're choosing between virtual and in-person, I would do everything in your power to be in-person. I think that's just a huge advantage. But uh, you know, if virtual is the only option, that's better than nothing. And I think mm -hmm. it did help me get a rotation or, or an interview. They didn't interview everybody that they rotated. And I think it's kind of hard to prove yourself on a virtual rotation, but, uh, you know, they, they gave us an opportunity to do a five minute presentation. I think that was helpful. Um, and you know, at the end you can, it, most people would put one slide at the end that kind of talked about them and talked about some of their interests. And then, um, we also had a sit down one-on-one -on -one with the program director, which I think was also helpful. And you have to be prepared for that. Be prepared with a lot of questions. Um, and then, um, you know, with a lot of talking points because they may ask questions to you, or they may say, what do you want to know? And leave the meeting completely up to you, which can be, you know, daunting and, uh, mm -hmm. can be stressful if you're not prepared for it. And then lastly, a couple of the senior residents just called us on the phone and were like, Hey, do you have any questions? And that was another opportunity to pass the vibe check. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really the big thing with the virtual rotations. I think, we, uh, again, we had Dr. Henderson on here, your, your program director, and she said that, you know, that's yeah. one of the, the pluses about that virtual rotation is we get a lot more people to do it. We give everyone the opportunity. And then you get one on one time with myself, other faculty, the residents, you know, and you're on this call and you're talking to them and you're building this connection again. We've, we've interviewed quite a few program directors and residents, and we still have a couple more program director episodes coming out, maybe even after this. They say, we want to know if you can fit with us. You know, of course, we've read your applications. Yeah. We've seen all this, but can you fit? Can Will you be a good fit for our program? Um, so that's very important. And then I'd, I'd like to uh, piggyback off you said about the, the training there. We want to go to a program that's going to make us a great dermatologist after the end of four years or five if you do a fellowship. But you want to feel like you're prepared to hit the ground running as soon as you leave that program. And again, from talking to you, talking to Dr. Henderson, talking to Dr. Abercrombie, it feels like trinity or saint joe's is going to give you that opportunity to be the best dermatologist when you get out yeah no i'm super i'm super excited it'll be an awesome awesome place and michigan i'm like stoked to move to michigan i don't know it's, it's gonna be a blast <laughs> i want to know you would hate somewhere it where it's warm like, but hey i, like, I give I, me a beach give me some yeah. mountains give me somewhere i can break my neck on a mountain bike <laughs> uh yeah i think um i'd be happy there if i got in obviously again yeah. i want to be a dermatologist and the training is amazing you know i just yeah. i do miss the coast that's all <laughs> yeah. um Going into your 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 rank list, you don't have to order whatever you got into programming match, but how, what went into the factors of like making that top five? What made you decide? Was it your family? Was it the, obviously the training? Was it the people at the program? What made you place whatever you did in the top five? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this is a really interesting topic. Um, and I, I have thought a lot about this after matching. Um, when we were making our rank list, there was a lot, lot of great programs. You know, it, we we made like this Excel spreadsheet, like a decision matrix, and we'd rank, we'd have different categories, you know, like uh, everything from location to, you know, schools for my kids um, to like career opportunities for my wife to, you know, how far it was from family. Do they have a good airport? You know, uh, how is their PEDS term training? How is their uh, surgical training? How is their didactic schedule? You know, we just have this huge thing. And then we'd rank each category, you know, we'd give them a weight and then we'd score them. And then you like times table it across and you sum up the scores. And it was like complex. And after that, I didn't like how the rankings turned out. And so <laughs> I, it was kind of just like a gut feel of like, like these are the programs I liked. These are the programs that when I went there, I feel like I would be happy there. And uh, I felt like my family would be happy there. And, you know, there was a lot of talks with my wife about it. You know, where would we be happy? Um, And um, I think there's a lot to say for for that. Um, Some things that went into probably the biggest factors that I considered were future opportunities for fellowship. I don't know if I want to do a fellowship, but I wanted those opportunities. You know, dermatopathology, pediatrics, Mohs surgery, um, all three of those. And uh, I don't think you really matters too much where you go if you want to do pediatric dermatology, unless you want to go to like one of the top programs. Um, but uh, for most surgery and dermatopathology, you know, it's huge if you have a home program, especially for Mohs. It's huge if you have a home Mohs program. That'll greatly increase your chances of matching to Mohs. And d- dermatopathology is also very competitive. Um, so th- th- that was a big factor. Um, another big factor was just once again, like, like the vibe check my end, you know, did I like, did I get along with the residents? Did I get along with the attendings? Did I feel like I would thrive here academically and, and, and perform well? And then lastly was like, when I leave this program, will I be able to practice independently? Because that's really what I went to medical school for. And what I went, what what I'm going to residency for is, is I want to be an excellent clinician. I want to go treat people in my community. I want to build a practice and employ people um, and build my local economy in that way. And um, so that was super important to me to be able to practice independently once I left it. And that was a big factor. And that's one thing I loved about St. Joe's is, is people leave St. Joe's ready to practice and hit the ground running in their practice. And then also the fellowship opportunities were good. They have pretty much everything you could ever imagine Um, I just felt like the training there clinically would be just superb. Um, now as far as it goes, like one to five, you know, that was, that was so interesting to me because our like, so, so I ranked 12 programs. Um, that's how many interviews I got, which I'm super fortunate for and super grateful for. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, my, like those top 10. I'd, I would have been happy at any of those. The last <laughs> yeah. two, like I still would have been a dermatologist, which I'd be stoked about, but I knew that it would be a, a kind of a rough three years. Um, but, uh, but, but I'd still, you know, I, I'd make the best of it. Yeah. And then it was just a hard, it, it was hard to make that list. And the top six for me were, were very close. And um, I don't know. It, it's kind of an interesting thing because 
you match and then you see where your friends matched and then you think, oh, should I have ranked that differently? Or why didn't they rank me higher or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is you're going to go to an excellent program. You're going to be a dermatologist as long as you match. So do all you can to match. Like that's what's important. And um, I'm just beyond stoked that I matched at St. Joe's. Um, I think it's really one of the premier, quote, DO programs. And uh, I'm just super fortunate to be there and, and just really stoked for the opportunity. Yeah, like you put the quote because it's ran by an MD now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. They they take a large amount of DOs, but uh, the faculty are largely yeah. uh, MD MD. But they were a formerly AOA program. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but Either it way, still is a great. Program. Like you said, yeah. you're gonna. You told me this before too. It's like all the programs are great. You're gonna get great training again. You know, some of you have to work a little harder. Some might you may you know get a little bit better training. But all the programs are great, and you just got to find that fit. So you found it, and that's good. Yeah, no, super stoked. All right, so I, I kind of want to jump into your uh, why you started this podcast. We kind of talked about it a little bit already. You talked about you know um, leveling the playing field, but you know how what, how did the process of the Deagle podcast develop in your brain to get to where it's at now, and what do you see it becoming in the future? Yeah, so I I just always loved podcasts. I've listened to them since like high school, right, and. Um, I had a short stint starting another podcast with a buddy that was really fun. So I was just falling in love with the idea of podcasting. You meet really awesome people. And um, in my time doing the Exploring Specialties Club, and then, you know, I was like, okay, I'm a little interested in dermatology, but I don't really know what to do. I started listening to podcasts about dermatology, and there really wasn't something. One of my favorites is, Oh, I totally just topical. Uh, topical, yeah, the topical pod, yeah, by Rosh Mastigini and Chris Liu, Doctor Chris Liu, and I love that podcast. But they would ask questions and have conversations that were way over my head as a first and second year medical student, mm-hmm. and so I wanted something, you know, as we talk about by students for students, matching in a dermatology because students have different questions than attendings have. I think attendings have wisdom that students don't, but um, oftentimes they're, ans- they're, they're asking the wrong questions or at least not the questions that I needed to know. Mm-hmm. And so I would, you know, I'd start having these conversations with people. And I'm like, we just need to publish these. And so, um, you know, I approached the dermatology interest group and, and kind of pitched the idea. And, um, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, I'm super grateful for the opportunity. And this wasn't just something that I did by myself. You know, it was a conglomeration of Gina Calcos, who's the current DIGA president. She helped get this off the ground. It was just super influential in its starting and um, and making this a reality. And then, you know, it wasn't just me, but you and the other hosts. Um, uh, we have Austin and Grace and Sydney and 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 countless others who have done one-off episodes. And it's just been an awesome opportunity to have people come on and ask their questions, right? Because as I've grown and gone through the experience, the questions that I ask aren't always the questions that a first or a second year will ask. And so it's nice to have different people asking different questions who are in different situations. You know, my background is totally different from your background. And, and, um, 
you know, we have some similarities, but um, that was kind of the idea. And I'm glad that it's kind of this crowdsourced um, podcast where people can can get the information they need in an easy format because podcasts to me are the easiest format to get information. You don't have to sit down and read. You don't have to sit down and watch a video. You can listen to it on your way to work. You can listen to it on the way to school or while you're working out or while you're going for a run. It's just easy information. And that's, so that was kind of the inspiration. And I'm stoked where it's going because once you came on, once the other podcast hosts came on, we went from publishing one a month to publishing twice a week, which is huge. And um, I just see it continuing to grow. And I'm excited to see what you and the other hosts do with it because, um, because you know, it's helped me out a ton. I love listening to other people's episodes and, and I hope it helps the next generation. Yeah. And again, I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity and, and being a, to be able to be a part of this. Again, like you said, there's different steps. And that's why I always ask that question when I interview people, like what steps do you have for a first year, second year, third year, and fourth year? Because we know that each level of med school, there's a different step you kind of got to take, you know? And again, we were having this because some people don't know what questions to ask. And again, you're leveling the playing field. Some people don't know what to ask. People don't know who to reach out to. And then we have these opportunities for this information to be out there. And then emails may be put in the, the show notes so you can reach out to people. It's just, we're helping people hopefully be successful. And out of that's just very, very prideful and something that you created. Because, you know, again, you're kind of going to have like, I've always say this on, on the podcast, you're going to have like a lineage of people that kind of got into dermatology because of this podcast, you know, and you may not be able to statistically gratify or um, to stratify that, I guess you would say, but you know that people who listen to this got into dermatology and that could be like a source of your lineage that you helped create. So that's pretty awesome. No, thanks, man. I, I, I appreciate it. And, um, and, and the thing is, is like, that does kind of make me happy and proud, you know, but at the same time, like, I don't feel like, it's me because there's so many people that I owe, you know, yeah. um, that have been influential to me, multiple people that have been on this podcast, you know, that I've interviewed mm -hmm. were first mentors to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hey, let's have you on the podcast. And like, yeah, let's do it. And, and they helped me know where to rotate and how to rotate and that I needed to rotate. I didn't even know I needed to rotate, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. There, that is how dermatology works. You know, you, you have to learn from the previous generation and hopefully the information more available. Learn from someone who's done it before. It's the best way. Exactly. All right, man. I, I don't know if you have any other final advice for med students trying to get into dermatology or any final life advice before we sign off and say goodbye to you <laughs> for this podcast. Um, just whatever you have left to say. No. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess advice, I'd say just work hard, like we said earlier. Um, and, and just kind of as my last goodbye, I want to say thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to these episodes. Um, it's been super influential for me to, to share some of my wisdom and then to be able to help other dermatologists share their wisdom with you. And, and um, I'm excited to be future colleagues. You know, um, we're going to do a lot of good in the world. And, uh, um, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a good world because we've worked hard. Never forget your family, work hard for them. Family's more important than any career. And, um, also remember that just because you're a dermatologist doesn't mean you're the shiz. There's a right. lot of cool people out there that aren't dermatologists. So. <laughs> right. Be respectful but, to uh, everybody. Always. Yeah. I, I used to work, uh, construction back in, you know, I graduated high school. And, um, probably like three years after high school, I was working as a concrete laborer and, uh, you know, laying concrete, shoveling, shoveling, raking, 
mud, as they call it. And it's just grueling work. But I was sitting there with some of the other construction workers who had done it for years, you know, 30, 40 plus years. And uh, it was just cool, like how incredibly intelligent they were, you know, doing this math to set up these, you know, to build these molds that uh, I just couldn't fathom the math. I'm terrible with math anyway. But um, one thing I love about dermatology is you interact with people from all backgrounds and you can if you want to, you know, some people don't. But um, just never forget that that you're not better than any of these other people, you know, like um, I want a dang good concrete laborer to to lay my driveway one day. Right. And I want a dang good plumber to make sure that I don't get a sewage backed up to my house one day. And uh, anyway, kind of a rant, but uh, no, you're right. Yeah. People need to know, be respectful, elevate others and don't ever put anyone down and you'll be successful in the long run, too. Yeah. But thanks for the ride. I'm excited to see where you and the next generation of hosts take this podcast. Um, you, you guys have done an awesome job. Thanks, man. With that being said, everyone, get after it. Work hard. Don't be discouraged, and you'll be successful. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Diga Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to dermintrustpod at gmail.com. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 